Hello, and welcome to Christ Tabernacle's teaching ministry. Today we have a life-changing message for you. Before we begin, please note that on April 1st, the Christ Tab Brooklyn podcast will be transitioned to the Christ Tab podcast. To continue receiving great teaching from Christ Tabernacle's teaching ministry, please make sure to subscribe today to Christ Tab on iTunes or SoundCloud. Now, sit back, relax, and get ready for God's Word. Man. Well, if I wasn't ready to preach before, you know, Pastor Monique touched on it last week, but I mean, it's worship team. It's, uh, you know what I've learned in, in, uh, growing up in this ministry is that, you know, people don't get saved. People don't get their victory. People don't have chains be broken. You don't see mountains move by a sermon that's preached. It doesn't happen that way. All of that happens when the presence of God is in that place. And what I love about the worship team is that they, they she said it last week, she said they make it easy. And, 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 I, and I understand what she's saying because the presence of God is here. So I don't know about you, but can we give it up for the worship team and just, aren't you grateful? You know, it's truly an honor for me to, to, to be able to share this message with you guys, to, to be able to serve under this church and under this leadership, Pastor Michael and Maria Durso, the sacrifices that they've made for us, Pastor Chris and Jairus, Pastor Ralph and Lisa, and all the pastors and the staff. It's an honor to just serve you and just hold your Bible, speak to you, uh, do an offering thought, stack up chairs, whatever it is. I mean, you guys make this whole place feel like family, and I'm truly grateful for you guys, and I love you so, so much. I mean that. Um, so <clears throat> if you have your Bibles, uh, I'm going to ask you to open up to 2 Kings chapter 5. I'll be reading from the New Living Translation. Uh, we're going to start from verse 9. And uh, it says this. It says, so Naaman went with his horses and chariots and waited at the door of Elisha's house. But Elisha sent a messenger out to him with this message. Go and wash yourself seven times in the Jordan River, then your skin will be restored and you will be healed of your leprosy. But Naaman became angry and stalked away. I thought he would certainly come out to meet me, he said. I expected him to wave his hand over the leprosy and call on the name of the Lord his God and heal me. Aren't the rivers of Damascus and the Abana and the Farpar better than any of the rivers of Israel? Why shouldn't I wash in them and be healed? So Naaman turned and went away in rage. But his officers tried to reason with him and said, Sir, if the prophet had told you to do something difficult, wouldn't you have done it? So you should certainly obey him when he says simply to go and wash and be cured. So Naaman went down to the river and dipped himself seven times as the man of God had instructed. And his skin became as healthy as the skin of a baby's butt. Doesn't quite say that, but I think that's what it was trying to say. And he was healed. Then Naaman and his entire party went back to find the man of God. They stood before him and Naaman said, Now I know that there is a God in all the world, that there is no God in all the world except for Israel. So please accept a gift from your servant. But Elisha replied, As surely as the Lord lives, whom I serve, I will not accept any gifts. And though Naaman urged him to take the gifts, 
Elisha refused. If you're taking notes this evening, I've titled this message, Trust the Process. Would you just bow your heads and close your eyes one more time? Father God, I thank you. I thank you for your presence. Holy Spirit, I thank you that you're here and you're with us. God, I pray, God, that you continue to work tonight, oh God, that you continue to speak, oh God. If I've lacked in my preparation, I pray that you fill that void, God. I only want to speak with you what you have to say today, oh God. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. So I've learned a lot being married to my wife. I really have. You know, some lessons are huge and, and, and dramatic and, and all these things, but I've even learned things about, like, flowers, right? So, like, for example, like, I'll have a, I had a conversation with my wife one day, and she, she was telling me, like, hey, babe. I was like, what's up? She's like, you know, I love flowers. I was like, I know you're a woman. All right, I get it. She's like, yeah, no, but I love flowers. But listen, I, I, I don't like, like, you know, big, complicated flowers. By the way, I don't understand what she was saying. Like, it's complete Chinese. I mean, she is Chinese, but she wasn't speaking Chinese. But I just couldn't understand what she was saying. But she was like, you know, it's, 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 it's you know, I, I don't like these complicated flowers. I like simple, beautiful flowers. I love hydrangeas. I love this. I love that. So I'm like, okay, baby, cool. You know, I, I, you know, I'm taking notes. I'm taking notes. So Valentine's Day comes up, and uh, we decided not to do nothing crazy, just like a nice romantic dinner. Uh, but, you know, like every man, on Valentine's Day, you want to get your woman flowers. Right, Ryan? You want to get your woman flowers. So I was running late from work, and usually that happens, right? And when you're, like, pressed for time, you're trying to think quickly and all that. So I remember thinking to myself, you know, she said not to get her anything, but I have to get her flowers. I'm not going to let every other guy get his woman flowers, and I'm going to be the only one not giving my woman flowers. So I'm thinking to myself, and I'm like, okay, where's the flower shop? I saw walking down the avenue by my house, right? And then I see this flower shop. I couldn't miss it. It was next to my to, to Starbucks, which I love. And then there was this this huge cemetery and then the flower shop was right next to it so I'm like bang right there let me go inside I go inside I see the worker and I'm like hey my man can, can you help me out he's like yeah sure I'm like I need flowers he's like you're in the right place and then I say okay you know but but I need I need like something good something big like like I need something great like give me the best thing you have right so the guy points at this like arrangement that he had and it was all like big and everything and then he was like this is the best thing we have you want, you said the best, this is the best thing we have. So I'm like, all right, great, here's the card. He's like, sir, it's going to be, I'm like, charge the card, charge the card, it's cool, right? He charges the card. We're not going to talk about how much it is because I'm still, you know, hurting. <laughs> but anyways, I, I get this big old basket of stuff, and then I, I lift it up, and I start walking home, right? And then I'm looking across the street, and I'm seeing guys with like one rose, I'm like laughing at the guy he has. <laughs> he bought one rose for his woman, right? Then I see like I see I see like these girls across the street, right? I wasn't looking at them, babe. They were looking at me, and 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 and, and I was I was carrying this basket, and, and like they were laughing and everything. And then I'm thinking to myself, oh my my wife, she's in for a surprise, man. She's gonna be so happy when she sees these flowers. So I'm going up the steps to to my apartment, right? And and I'm struggling with this arrangement of flowers and stuff. And then I, I get there, and I hear my wife preparing dinner. Ooh, I love that sound, by the way. Anyways, I, I get there. I put them, I, I place them on the floor so that when she, like, I strategically did it, right, so that when she would turn, she would just see the beauty I had got for her. <clears throat> so I'm like, babe. She's like, hey, babe, happy Valentine's Day. I love you. 
I was like, I love you too. Listen, I got you flowers. I know you said you didn't want anything, but I got you the flowers. Just go look at them. They're amazing. And then she goes, okay, oh, my gosh, you shouldn't have. She turns the corner, and she looks at the flowers, and she does this. She goes, oh, babe, they're, oh, thank you. Wow, wow that's right. See, Pastor Chris understands what just happened, ladies and gentlemen. See, I, I don't know many things in life. But I know that does not mean she was satisfied with the flowers. Now I'm thinking about what I just spent on the flowers. So I kind of get a little aggravated. I look at my wife and I say, babe, what's up? The flowers are beautiful. Like, what is it? And she goes, they're fine, babe. Let's have dinner. And I was like, no, no, we're not passing by this. Like, what's going on? Be honest. Talk to me. Speak to me. What is it? Are you colorblind? Do we have to get you to the doctor? There's flowers there. You're not grateful. Like, what is it? God, we got to pray for gratitude in this house. I couldn't understand what was wrong. She looks at the flowers and she's all like, she's all like, babe, it's just, you know, I get a little frustrated when you don't listen to me. I'm like, babe, what are you talking about? It's like, babe, it's just now I've got to cut them all off. And, like, it's, it's this whole big thing. And I just like simple flowers. And I'm like, but, babe, these were the guy told me that that one there was from, like, Australia and all this stuff. And, and it, she's like, how much did you pay for it? I was like, mind your business. We got to talk. <laughs> so, then, so then she goes, she goes, babe, but not for nothing, where would you get the flowers? And I was like, she was like, did you happen to get it by the flower by the cemetery and I was like yeah how'd you know you know I, I thought you know she was blessed with like the prophetic gift and then and then she goes babe they they kind of do don't get offended but they kind of do look like they belong on top of a like a casket so I'm like girl what are you talking about I'm like girl what are you talking about so then she gets close to the flowers that I bought her, and there's this little ugly, and I don't think it's ugly because she was upset. There's this little ugly bear holding a card. She gets close to the card, ladies and gentlemen, and when she gets close to the card, she says, babe, look. And I'm like, what, what, what's that? She goes, the card says, rest in peace. Yo, I had, to, I had to think quick on my feet at that moment. I looked at her, I was like, baby, you work so hard. I just want you to rest. And I want it to be peaceful. Guys, y'all got to pray for me, man. Man. You know, I learned in that moment that, like, my wife, she has a way of doing things, and, and I got a way of doing things, and... And my way isn't always necessarily the best way, you know, and, uh, and the character that we're introduced to today, he's also going to learn the same thing. So before we kind of get into, in, into the portion of scripture that, that uh, we landed today, I do want to give you some context on Naaman. I think it's important to understand the whole story in its entirety, see? So Naaman was the commander of a Syrian army. The Bible actually says that the king of Aram had great admiration for Naaman, because it was through him that the Lord gave Amen great victories. The Bible says he was a mighty warrior. I mean, you got to think about this, right? I mean, if he gave so many victories, that means he was taking people out. He was a boss. He was a leader. This was who Naaman was. He, he accomplished so much. But there was a problem. Naaman had leprosy. He had leprosy. That was a bad thing. And so the king 
right? Because Naaman had some type of favor over his life because instead of the king saying, get, get, get away from me, I don't, want, I don't want any of that, the king and, and Naaman, they talk and they try to figure something out. Um, Naaman had this servant girl that heard about his condition and said, you know, I wish he would go see the prophet Elisha because he could surely heal him. He tells Naaman, Naaman goes back to the king, the king sends him on his way, and then that's where we find ourselves today, right? So the Bible says Naaman goes to Elisha's house, and he parks himself right in front of Elisha's door, and he waited. The Bible says he waited. Now, here's the thing about waiting. If you're waiting, that means you're also expecting, right? Because, like, when you knock on the door, you don't knock and expect no one to open, right? Like, if you're waiting, you're expecting. Now, here's the thing about expectation. If your expectation does not align itself with your reality, it brings forth frustration and discouragement. See, and that's exactly what happens here in the text. See, because instead of Elisha coming through those doors as Naaman expected, instead, Elisha sends out a messenger. He's like, yo, take care of my dirty work. Go talk to Naaman, right? So the messenger comes out, and the messenger looks at Naaman and says, hey, Naaman, we heard about your condition. This is all you got to do. You have to go down to the Jordan River. Dip yourself seven times, and then you're going to be healed. So I'll talk to you later. The Bible says, and we can tell by Naaman's verbiage that he was upset because his expectation didn't line up with his reality. The Bible says Naaman got angry. He got furious. He said, what? What? I was certain that he was going to at least come out to meet me, the Bible says. He said, I thought he was going to wave his hand over my body, call out on the name, the Lord, his God, and that I will certainly be healed. But instead, he tells me to go and jump into that dirty river. See, at that moment, Naaman, the Bible says, Naaman turns around and he begins to walk away in anger. Ladies and gentlemen, Naaman was about to walk away with his healing all because he didn't agree with the process he had to go through. He didn't agree with the process he had to go through. Now, here's the thing. I thank God that Elisha was a wise prophet. Because Elisha understood something. Elisha understood that God was all about process. He understood that God is the God of process. How do I know this? I know this because we even see it in Genesis. See, God didn't create the world in one day. He didn't do it in two days. It took God a process of seven to create the world. You know where else we see a process? Remember Peter? See, Peter was that disciple that stepped out the boat, started walking towards Jesus on water, but then doubted and began to drown. He's the same Peter, right, that when asked, did you hang out with Jesus? Do you know Jesus? He was the same Peter that denied Jesus three times. But here's the thing, and here's the beauty about the process. Because of the process, if you keep on reading in Scripture, by the time you get to Acts, Peter is the same guy that preaches his first sermon, and then thousands and thousands of people get saved. I thank God for the process. See, you know where else you see the process? You see the process in Elisha's life. Because when Elijah anointed Elisha as his successor, you don't Start reading about Elisha performing miracle after miracle after miracle after miracle off the jump. 
Actually, when you see Elisha coming out the shadows, right, you only see him washing Elijah's hand. See, this was a process of learning that Elisha had to go through. So Elisha was off at a distance in silence, but while he was in this process, he was learning. He saw Elijah doing miracles. He saw God doing things on his behalf. He saw people get healed. He saw delivery happening. And all he was doing is taking notes, so much so that when Elijah's time was up and he talks to Elijah, and says, hey, my time is up. What's that one thing you want me to do for you? Elisha knew exactly what to ask for. Why? Because he went through the process. He said, Elijah, I don't need money. I don't need fame. But what I see is that God gave you everything you prayed for. I want that power of the Holy Spirit. And I don't just want one portion. I want two. Because when you ask, God can give you more than what you expect. I thank God for the process. I thank God for the process. Point number one, if you're taking notes, please take notes. The process will get you to your miracle. The process will get you to your miracle. So while Naaman is on this rant, he's upset. He says something that kind of starts giving us clues as to why Elisha decided to put him through a process in order to obtain his miracle, right? He starts saying, why that river? Why that river, that dirty, nasty, cold river? Then he says, aren't the rivers of Damascus and Farpar and all, aren't they better than the waters of that river? See, see, Naaman had a, a pride issue. He had a pride issue. You have to understand, this was a leader. He called the shots where he came from. Like, people honored him. He would walk into the room and people would say, man, that's Naaman. Watch out. See, he, he took out armies. He, he's close with the king. Like, there was an honor that he used to step into and people would give him. See, but he comes into this place. He comes to, into Elisha's territory and they tell him to jump into a dirty river. He thought those waters were beneath him. But you know what I've learned in life? I've learned that God often uses the very things we believe are beneath us in order to build our character. Point number two, if you're taking notes, the process builds character. The process builds character. Now, I have to be vulnerable with you for a moment. When I, when I was studying for this, uh, for this message, I, I had to stop my studying when I got to this point. The reason I had to stop my studying when I got to this point is because I had to take a second. And I had to really pray and I had to thank God. I had to start thanking God. I started feeling overwhelmed with gratitude because I said, God, Lord, I thank you. Because it's not that you're not answering my prayers. And it's not that you don't hear me asking. And it's not that you don't want to heal me. And it's not that you don't have breakthrough for me. And it's not that you don't have promotion for me. The fact is that you do have it, you do have it for me, but you just desire for me to go through the process. The reason is, is that God will put you through a process to build the character that you need in order to obtain the miracle you are asking for. Sometimes we ask for things and we get mad at God for not giving it to us right away. But the truth is, we should be thanking God. Because if he were to give us what we asked for right away, knowing us, if we don't have the character to handle it, we can ruin that thing. There are people in this place that saying, God, I want you to use me in a mighty way. And God is saying, yes, but there's unforgiveness in your heart. So go through this process. 
There's somebody in this room saying, saying, oh, 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 God, you know, I, I want that promotion. You know, I, I've been praying for it, and you haven't given it to me. And God is saying, I have promotion in your future. The problem is you're a little too greedy with your money, so go through this process. See, the process builds character. Look to your neighbor and say, trust the process. So Naaman was upset. He was angry. He was furious. He turned around. He started walking away. And then this happens. It says that the, the officer that went with him stopped him dead in his tracks. And he said, Naaman, what are you doing? He said, Naaman, what are you doing? Why are you walking away? Like, if, if the prophet would have told you to do something great, something big, something you could put on your Instagram, something you could tweet about, like, I was told to do this mighty thing and I did it, like, you would have done it. All he's telling you to do is take a bath, stinky, go take a shower, go get your miracle. Guys, I thank God for real friends. I thank God for real friends. See, a real friend isn't someone you just gossip with. See, a real friend isn't someone you just go to the movies with. It's not someone you just talk on the phone with. It's not someone who lets you make bad decisions and turn the other way because they so-called love you. And a, real, a true friend isn't someone who lets you walk away from your miracle. On the contrary, a true friend is someone that's willing to fight with you and for you. A true friend is someone that's willing to pray on your behalf and strike the ground for you. A true friend is someone who will lay their life down for you. A true friend looks a lot like Jesus Christ. I thank God for true friends. Because a true friend will stop you dead in your tracks and say, you've been praying for this for way too long. Why are you walking away now? Iron sharpens iron. Some of us are walking kind of dull right now, and we think it's something inside of us, but it's really the company we keep. Iron sharpens iron. I thank God for true friends. A true friend is going to believe with you. A true friend is not going to let you die. It's not going to let you drown. On the contrary, a true friend is going to put his place as if it was your place, and he's going to cry out, and he's going to believe for that promise like if it was for him. That's a true friend. If you share that you want to see your father get saved with a friend, and all they say is, I'll pray for it, but they never bring it up, that's not a true friend. If you're asking for healing, and someone says, I'll pray for it, and they never bring it up, that's not a true friend. A true friend is someone that's willing to, to have heartbreak with you. They'll have that anguish with you. Why? Because they truly love you. Why? Because they see promise in your life. Why? Because they can see the calling that's on your life, and they're willing to help you protect it. That's a true friend. Point number three. Real friends help you get through the process. Real friends help you get through the process. So Naaman. He, uh, he kind of gets spoken to, and, and this officer was good enough to kind of talk some sense into him. So Naaman says, you know what, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of acting emotional right now. I came a long way. I believe there's a lot of believers tonight that have come a long way. You've been praying for too long. You've been believing God for too long. You've been crying for too long. You've been losing sleep for too long. You've been dealing with this thing for too long. Why walk away right now? What miracle are you about to walk away from that you're so close to? What breakthrough, what promise, what is that thing in your life that's inside of you that you know the Holy Spirit is poking at right now saying you're giving up way too fast. Why are you walking away? It's simple instructions. Just go through the process. 
Naaman says this to himself, and he says, let me, let, me, let me go take that walk. So he goes down to the Jordan River. And the Bible says he dips himself seven times. Now, I know that seven is the number of completion, and I get that. But I, I, I asked myself when I was studying this, why seven times, right? Because bear with me, but I had to put myself in his, in, in his shoes. I had to walk in his shoes. I had to put myself in his position. I said, all right, if I have leprosy and I go to this Jordan River and I dip myself and I go down one time and I come back up and I look at my skin and the leprosy is still there, I'll probably think to myself like, oh, whoa, like, God, what happened? Like, I must have forgot. It's all right. All right, so let me, let me dip again. If I dip a second time and I come up, all right, something's going on. Something's wrong. If I go a third time and I come up, all right. Now I'm getting a little discouraged. If I go a fourth time and I come back up, all right, now I'm getting frustrated. If I go a fifth time and I come back up, now I'm angry. Now here's the part where a lot of us are, end up in. We go that sixth time, so close to, to that promise, so close to that miracle. We dive that sixth time. We come back up. We don't see anything change. Then as believers, we get numb. We get numb to the things of God. There's no power anymore. I'm discouraged. I've been believing. I haven't, hear, I haven't heard nothing back. I haven't seen nothing change. Now I'm numb. So when pastors tell you to raise your hand, you can't even raise your hand. Or you do, but it's just all emotion. It's all religious movement without any power. You get numb. But here's the beauty of Naaman's story. Naaman walks into Elisha's presence as a non-believer, a man that was filled with pride. But the reason I feel... Let, that the Bible points out that it had to be seven times is because God wanted to speak to us about obedience. And here's the reason why. Because if he can go all six times, see nothing happen, that means that seventh time, faith was born. It was on that seventh time that his faith was born. It was on that seventh time that he goes from being a non-believer to then believing that there's a God in Israel. Why? Because he looked around. He said, I I've been to other places. I tried everything else. But there's something about these instructions. There's something about what was spoken over me. And I just, for some reason, I just believe it right now. So I have to go all seven. I have to complete this thing because my healing is right there. God is calling you to be obedient today. Understand that obedience is the fruit that's born out of faith. When God told Abraham, go to the land, I'm promising you, he had no directions, but he had the faith, so he obeyed. When the pastors are asking for tithing and offering and you're looking at your bank account, but you still give even though you don't have, you're obeying because you have faith. Ladies and gentlemen, I, I want to ask, where is your faith tonight? Is your faith still there? Enough for you to have, to, to, to be obedient to what it is that God is calling you and asking of you and telling you to do. So he dips seven times, he comes out, and he's healed. Point number four, my last point. Faith will complete the process. Faith will complete the process. You know, before I get to this last part, let me just say this. The process isn't always easy. Man, the process is hard. Sometimes they're going to struggle through the process. 
Sometimes you're going to feel lonely through the process. But there's something about the process that will get you through. There's something that happens in the process that God is trying to work in you in order for you to obtain what you're asking for. See, but the process is hard. I feel like I really have to warn somebody today. The process is really hard. I believe that there are people here today that are going through the process right now. You want to give up. It is hard. It is difficult. See, I'm not preaching to you tonight, ladies and gentlemen. The text is preaching to us. I know the process is hard. If I can be real with you for a second, it was hard for me to get here tonight. Man, there are times where I want to walk away from my calling. There are times where I don't want it. God, you called me to this. You want me to be obedient. But every time I'm obedient, the the enemy shows up. The process is difficult. I say yes to your calling. I say yes to doing this thing. And then I get sick. And that family member gets sick. Then I lose some money. Then, Then I'm getting in trouble at work. I don't understand it. The process is difficult. The process is difficult, but there's somebody else that went through the process. There's one more person I didn't mention before that went through that process. His name, his name is Jesus Christ. We serve a savior that went through a process. See, Jesus didn't just come down and save the world in one day. He he walked this world for 33 years. He was mocked. He was ridiculed. People doubted him. People mocked him. People beat him. People stabbed him. I mean, he went through so much, but there was a miracle at hand that he had to get through, so he knew he had to go through the process. So God is saying, I know it's hard to go through the process, but Jesus is with you tonight, ladies and gentlemen. We serve a Savior that understands the pain you're going through. You feel lonely tonight, but Jesus knows exactly what you're going through. He went through the process. The Bible actually says that when you don't know what to pray for, he's actually praying on your behalf right now. Jesus went through the process. I want to read just a couple more scriptures, and then then we'll finish. Verse 20 says this. But Gehazi, the servant of Elisha, the man of God, said to himself, this is after uh, Elisha refused to take gifts from Naaman. He said, my master should not have let this Aramean get away without accepting any of his gifts. As surely as the Lord lives, I will chase after him and get something from him. Listen to this real quick. Elisha says, as surely as the Lord lives, I'm not taking nothing from you. The reason I feel that happened is because Elisha was wise. I feel that if he took money or took gifts from Naaman, Naaman would probably think to himself, hey, you can buy this thing. I mean, you have prophets on TV always saying it, send 63.99 because of Psalm 63.99, and then, and then you'll get your victory. See, I believe Elisha thought that if he took that, he'd be able to buy it from him. And the truth is, you can't buy the gospel. You can't buy salvation. All you can do is simply accept it. So then he says, he says, he says the same verbiage that Elisha uses. Elisha says, you know, as surely as the Lord lives, I'm not going to take it. Gehazi says, as surely as the Lord lives, I'm going to get that money. Isn't it crazy how you can be so close to the presence of God but still miss it? You can look up to leaders and and, and pastors and and friends and even even dress the way they do and, and, and use the same verbiage, but then there's no power. The Holy Spirit was with Elisha. It wasn't with Gehazi. The Bible says, 
chase after him and get something from him. So Gehazi set off, at, set off after Naaman. When Naaman saw Gehazi running after him, he climbed down from his chariot and went to meet him. Is everything all right, Naaman asked? Yes, Gehazi said, but my master has sent me to tell you that two young prophets from, from the hill country of Ephraim have just arrived. And he would like 75 pounds of silver and two sets of clothing to give him. By all means, take twice as much silver. Isn't it funny how the non-believer in the beginning of the text becomes a believer at the end of the text and then because of that character building that he went through through the process, even shows gratitude right here. He says, don't just take what I originally planned to give you, take double. But yet Gehazi, the servant that was close to the presence of God, misses it and tries to manipulate the situation and acts out of greed. By all means, take twice as much silver, Naaman insisted. He gave him two sets of clothing, tied up the money in two bags, and sent two of his servants to carry the gifts for Gehazi. But when they arrived at the siddal, Gehazi took the gifts from the servants and sent the men back. Then he went and hid the gifts inside the house. When he went into his master, Elisha asked him, where have you been, Gehazi? His throat probably dropped to his stomach. I haven't been anywhere, he replied. But Elisha asked him, don't you realize that I was there in spirit when Naaman stepped down from his chariot to meet you? You were caught. Is this the time to receive money and clothing, olive groves and vineyards, sheep and cattle and male and female servants? Gazi, because you have done this, you and your descendants will suffer from Naaman's leprosy forever. When Gehazi left the room, he was covered with leprosy, and his skin was white as snow. With every head bowed and every eye closed tonight, you have a, you have a man named Naaman that went through the process to receive something that God did have for him. And he was able to learn because of the process he understood there was only one God. He was forever changed. And this was a foreigner, far from the presence of God, stepping into the presence of God one time, and he didn't miss it. But yet you have Gehazi, a servant that walked with Elisha. The same way Elisha probably could have taken notes from Elijah while the ministry was going on was the same proximity that Gehazi probably could have been taking notes of Elisha. He was so close to the presence of God. He witnessed not just the miracles that Elisha witnessed from Elijah. He, wished, he witnessed double the miracles, but yet he missed it. Ladies and gentlemen, tonight, I feel the Holy Spirit asking, are you going to allow yourself to miss it? Are you going to allow yourself to miss this opportunity here tonight? God is saying, I have that healing at hand for you. God is saying, I have that promise for you. I haven't given up. You've given up. But I have the grace to get you back up and to continue this thing and to continue the process.